Cyberpunk Uncensored. Hey, we're live. Everyone can see us now. Let me make sure every. Hi, everybody. Hopefully, hey, every... and welcome right, to yeah. the GM Roundtable on Cyberpunk Uncensored. Hey. It's been a little bit of a while since we've been here, but we are back once again. Now that we have uh, the inimitable Rob back from his many adventures. Hey. Um, and as always, we're here to chat all things uh cyberpunk gming related and um we are going to kick off with a uh, introducing ourselves because we have uh, a rather special guest from our telsorian here welcome james hutt and also we've got a uh, brand new uh, gm to the table welcome gm brando but you can tell us a little bit about yourselves after we roll initiative to see who gets to go first Everybody roll their 10. I got a whole three. <laughs> I got a nine. one. <laughs> oh, no, Rob. Nine. Nice. And we both got nines. We have to roll off. Oh, uh, it's definitely a roll off. It's a roll oh, right, off. Yeah. Here we go. Who's got the higher agility bonus? I got a two. <laughs> oh, I got another nine. Damn. Yeah, yeah, I got to use this for why, why don't you tell us what you're doing here? Uh, all right, well, I'm Brandon Perkins, and uh, I have done a whole bunch of work with Realmsmith uh, doing 5e, uh, Dungeons & Dragons 5e stuff. I've GM'd for them, and I have also uh, been a player in many, many, many of their streams. Um, but yeah, uh, you can find me at DM underscore Brando, and I'm really excited to talk about the topic here today because that's pretty much how I have run so many, 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 many games Fantastic, thank you. Uh, and James, why don't you uh, tell us who you are? What's, what's going Hi everybody. on everybody. I'm, uh, I'm James Hutt. I'm a game designer at Artel Soaring Games. I work on the Cyberpunk and Witcher lines. You might know me as the mayor of Balance Town. Um, and uh, we're putting out a lot of free DLCs on ArtelSoaringGames.com. You should definitely go read those. We wrote them so that you could read them. And put them out get for em. free. Put them out for free. Go, go get them. There. Awesome. Finish the stream first. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> you can open a second window. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Open a new tab. That's uh, that's I'm... that's the opening pitch. That's all I got. Start that's it. Here. That's it. That's a pretty that's short to the point. Lovely, lovely. Uh, so I'm Phil. Uh, I am from Baby Beard Media. Uh, you can see me. Playing weekly with these two tubers over here, playing some weekly cyberpunk gameplay over on Sirenscape, where I've run a, a game myself. I also um, make a TTRPG podcast with my fellows at Paperpeed Media. That's called Roll to Cast. And we do a different uh, game every season on that. Uh, so I ran the 2020 and Cyberpunk Red seasons, um, which were absolutely tons of fun. Um, and uh, yeah, I um, I've, I've me and Rob have been been the mainstays of the GM roundtable, so I'm happy to be Hell to yeah. be back at it, Rob. Yeah, me too, totally. And I'm Rob Mulligan. I'm the founder of Cyberpunk Uncensored. 
Um, go to cyberpunkuncensored.com. You can see everything that we put out there. Just a bunch of GMs doing live gameplay every week. Multiples of that. I run multiple series like Night City Live, The Deep Dive, GM Roundtable. Um, so much stuff going on. I also, like uh, Phil mentioned, we do the Cyberpunk Red for Sirenscape, uh, which is also an official sponsor of Cyberpunk Uncensored. Shout out to Sirenscape. Um, and then also on all these live streams, I have a, a certain uh, uh, tier on Patreon to give uh, the supporters a shout out. I just want to take a moment to do that because it's uh, the reason we get to keep doing all this stuff. It keeps uh, uh, the creative juices flowing, keeps the promos going, all that good stuff. So shout out to William Huddleston. Naomi Madlass, Anino Gaming, Leaded Coffee, Michael Edmonds, a.k.a. Kira, Chris Anderson, Dolan Pondsmith, which, yep, Pondsmith, she's also an artist. Uh, she has her own uh, private channel on the Cyberpunk Uncensored Discord. Go show her some love. Steve Barr from Sirenscape, what's up? Matt James, who's also GM Reservoir Panda, who streams live with us. Uh, he'll be streaming live right after the GM Roundtable, so stick around and you'll see some of his gameplay, and then he goes again Sunday. Uh, Revolver Gray, Samurai Mac. Uh, George or Jorge, I'm not sure how he wants me to pronounce that, I apologize. And Zach, who's also Capricious Nature, leads up our Scream Sheet project and all kinds of stuff. And just like RTG, we have a bunch of free assets on our site. If you go there, you'll see just so much uh, free stuff from the community, like auto-fillable character sheets and data shards and campaign builders and report GM report cards, just so much stuff. Check it out. Um, that being said, let's get into the topic today. Uh, we kind of call this section "What in the World Building," and uh, yeah, uh, today's topic is. Let me bring it up. Gaming with oh, no, no I have a pet. Oh no! Well then, perfect. That that's perfect because <laughs> it's all about gaming with no prep. And uh, you know, if you're a GM, usually you know you 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 get to plan ahead. You get to you know map out your campaign, how it how you plan it to go, all the potential tangents it might go on, you know, uh, you'll build your NPCs, your rewards, your repercussions, you kind of like lay it all out and, and then dive in and, and things will still go off rail and, you know, you'll still have to deal with some things, but at least you prepped and stuff. Sometimes you get, you jump into a game last minute. Maybe it's a, a one shot you decided to do for fun or just some friends show up, or maybe you had no time to prep, you know, when you usually would prep, but then other things came up and before you know it, you're like, oh crap, I'm playing like in a couple hours or tomorrow and like... So that's what this is about. This is about gaming with no prep. So let's all roll initiative, and then we'll go around and give our GM tips about gaming with no prep. Hey, I got a, Seven. I got a 10 this time. Two and a three. Okay, cool. All right. <laughs> nice. I'm all ones and tens today, it seems. That's great. Just like, just like when we played uh, the Sirenscape uh Gameplay yesterday, I was like rolling crit fails or crit successes. It was crazy. It was um, intense. Yeah. Uh, so for me, anytime I have to game with no prep, uh, the first thing I do is I refer to my quick campaign builder. I recently put this together, well, I guess a handful of months ago, maybe. I, I don't know. Uh, I guess semi-recent. But it's, it's free. It's on the Cyberpunk Uncensored website. I'll put the link in the chat um, if somebody wants to use it. Open it, bookmark it, go get it later. Don't leave the stream. Stay here. <laughs> Stick with us. But I will put the link there so you have it for later. Um, but basically, this quick campaign builder is a PDF that you roll on the tables. And uh, did that link go through? Well, let me know if the link goes through. Um, anybody in chat can let me know, please. 
but this is awesome. All right, cool. Yeah, you basically open this up and it has a chart that you start off with that, that gives you the, the main plot idea. You'll see when, when you go and check it out. Um, it lays out either, you know, a person, place, or thing. Then you have a separate chart for complications that might be into that main plot. Then, whether it's a person, place, or thing, you go to the following chart of people, places, things. You roll on those charts and then those complications and such. It basically gives you a backbone and I've used it numerous times because I run multiple streams. I run my marketing company, my Amazon store for some products I do, other partnerships I'm doing, my filmmaking, my music. I, I, I have so much going on. Um, sometimes sometimes I, I just don't have time to prep. So I bust out my campaign builder. I roll on the charts. It gives me my my basic outline, my backbone or whatever, the skeletal structure to my campaign. And then I just fill in the little bells and whistles, give it flavor. Like if it's about a person, place or thing, I decide, you know, what that person is like or if they work for a certain corporation or if that thing is a weapon, an item, something from here or there. And I'll, I'll make those decisions based on what the other charts have recommended. And you'll see when you check out that quick campaign builder what I'm talking about. But, but that's what I recommend first and foremost is just a quick roll on the chart breaks the ice, gives you the basic idea for your campaign, and then you just gotta fill in some of the little details. And uh, the main thing I use for, for details is I'll make my, you know, like I said, I'll pull places and things from lore, from the book, basic things, give it, you know, some flavor. But when it comes to NPCs and such, I, I, I fall back on RTG. They already have, you know, a bunch, and I've, I print these out. You can even see I have my notes, even my water stains and things, because they're well used. But uh, I print them out. Uh, they have all NPCs all the way from like bodyguard through uh, security operative up to outrider, pyro, cyber psycho. Um, then I have street scum, uh, booster, private security because I've pulled from jumpstart as well as the official red. Um, and then I've made a few of my own, my, my little um, levels of combat number, whether it's a 10, 12 or 14, then I'll add my D10 to um, if it's going to be, you know, an average person, well-trained or very trained. Um, but again, I, I refer to these for the most part. Um, I, you can change the titles to whatever you want them to be. It doesn't have to be a booster ganger or a security operative. You're just using those to give you a basic idea of you know the level of skills of that person, the caliber of that NPC or encounter. Um, but I love it because you know props to James and RTG and everybody there. You know they filled it out with equipment, weapons, things they might have. I mean you got your stats, your combat number. It's it's ready to go. Um, so those are the main things that I use for you know, gaming with no prep. I'll, I'll use the campaign builder. Um, I'll fill it with just basic bells and whistles of lore that have it, uh, give it flavor. And then I'll rely on uh, these NPC sheets and encounter sheets uh, to fill any gaps and details that I might need. Now, the hardened moves, hardened lieutenants now. Those to your sheets. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I've got, I, I didn't print those out yet, but I've got them digitally. Uh, all the new stuff, the new assets. Um, and again, like James mentioned, uh, everybody needs to go to the RTG site and just, you know, download all that free content as well. And I'm going to put all the links in the description uh, when we rock the VOD. So anybody watching this, check out the description. You'll be able to, uh, you know, get to all the different GMs, uh, links and goodies and stuff. I was going to ask James, so what's your strategy or, or your intention with taking those, both the standard... Uh, mooks and lieutenants and the hardened mooks and lieutenants what's the kind of formula for just like throwing a challenge at a party um the answer is the reason why i'm not using a formula is because i'm doing it by hand every single one of those is handmade 
contested mm-hmm. against hardened parties. Um, because there wasn't a direct formula, for example, um, all skills are created equal, uh, having a powerful weapon skill is a lot different in a combat situation than having a higher contortion, for example. So we couldn't just say increase all stats by that or increase all skills by this. Or the minimum skill should be this because there's the combination of some skills is greater than the sum of its parts. So we just said, screw it, we'll do the hard work, and uh, I uh, hand-built it. It's appreciated, man. How many no formula. You, how many of you, you look hand for a formula, you might just discover how you want to do it yourself. So I, yeah, I also true. think that's a worthy quest. So don't not go on the quest. Just just know it's the answer is the friends you met along the way. <laughs> The way I tend to kind of use the, um, what I was sort of asking about is like, how do you know how many to, to sort of pick and, and, and throw up against people? I, I tend to do sort of an escalation where I, I'll chuck some peeps, some peeps at, at my party. If they easily defeat them, well, the next bunch of chumbadas are harder, you know? Oh, yeah. Oh, I agree. You should, uh, you should toe dip at the beginning to see if your heart. See if um, if they so in hardened lieutenants, there's a checklist that will prove if your party is hardened or not. If it isn't, there are some. Hey, wait! You should slow down. You might kill a player. Um, but if they're all hardened, you can do one to one substitutions. A hardened lieutenant is worth a lieutenant. It's just that easy. Um, and I think, um, with, but uh, if they're not hardened, or if one of them isn't, then you will kill the bard. I basically go out and say that bard will die. Yeah. I think uh, when I when I look at that too, uh, like Phil, what you said about gauging the you know the encounters or whatever, I think there's like a game pacing, and then there's an overall campaign pacing when it comes to like um, not just timing of events taking place, but a pacing of the caliber of those encounters. And, and what I mean by that is I feel that you can kind of it's not not too much meta gaming, I guess, but you can kind of look at okay, well the team is well rested, everybody has full HP, they're well loaded, it might be time for a, a a meteor encounter or they're a little bit beat up let me just mess with them a little bit because it makes sense to the world you want everything to be realistic so it's immersive but you might back off a little bit because of the situation and that that to me is overall pacing not just within game um and, and but i but i always take that into mind as well like you know uh unless testing it i love the testing idea too um you know you can do your first encounter and then see you know how the team handles it gauge it by that one of the things I've found from my parties is like even if people are socially built characters, everybody expects to fight. So people tend to have good stats in some form of fighting. Yeah. Whether it's, hey, I, I took a bunch of archery because I want my guy to use a crossbow or, or a bow despite being, you know, a med tech or something. Uh, people expect to, to get down and dirty. So you can throw pretty meaty combat even at, at you know less hardened p- parties um because people know that it's dangerous oh yeah it's it's night city and cyberpunk <laughs> 2020 everybody wanted to play a solo mm. um solo <laughs> was the most popular character class by far and uh that sort of um pushed combat difficulties up even higher to the point where if you weren't playing a solo you're not long for the world. Um, but um, in red, everybody can fight. 
And um, the question, so it becomes a lot harder to determine who is hardened or not. There is a chart in Hardened Lieutenants on the second page that will solve the answer to that question. So let me check that out. And uh, that gives the, the hard answer. Um, <coughs> but um, any solo is automatically considered hardened because of their class ability. They're just so good. Their rollability. Yeah. I'm playing right. one for the first time at the moment, and I'm having a blast. Um, before it. Whose turn was it? I feel uh, like Phil. Got... Yeah, Phil, go ahead. Yeah, take... yeah, I was. Yeah, I, I think oh, it's my turn. I'll, it's I'll, I'll, your turn. I'll grow off. I'll grow off of Rob. Um, the other thing. So the thing I think I didn't already mention from what Rob's already said is, you know, this this table of of um, plot kind of sparks. I think it's really good because it can be very difficult to just choose from every possible plot, right? <laughs> So having a little bit of guidance, having something to hang your ideas off can just really remove that stress, which is really great. And, you know, apart from this plot, there's also, you know, scream sheets out there. There's, you know, plots of your favorite sci-fi movie or cyberpunk movie. Especially if you just do it in a one-shot, just, just borrow and steal. It's fine. You know, your players probably want to play Blade Runner at some point. You know, something... Go go find a you know an AI that's hiding amongst amongst people or something. You can definitely do that. Just kind of borrow and steal. But what I wanted to say, and what I think builds quite nicely off this, how to get players invested in something that you've just made up on the spot uh, very quickly, is to keep it personal. So this is the thing that that um, I like to do, sort of drag from the kind of theatre and writing world is like sure if you've got like a a um a scenario where you have to like defend the block from a booster gang or defend the block from from some uh corpos like in the jumpstart kit say make it personal don't just be like some tombs want help maybe it's your mum or your lover or your little brothers in the gang right who's threatening the block um, just add a personal tie in there and as many as you can and then suddenly you've got this oh, I've got no prep to well my the players are are really invested in whatever's happening because they know that it means something important to their characters um, you know if they need to rob if it's a robbery or they need to, to gain something it, they need to gain something because their life's in danger. You know, they're in debt to someone bad or someone they love is in debt to someone bad. So for me, um, you just get those hooks into people real fast by making it personal, making it immediate to the characters, even if they've just been made up on the spot. Grab something in their backstory. Uh, backstories are like life paths as as rtg have made them a real like little gift to the gm and you can you can go straight to those and just just grab something from there to torture your players with um because that, that will it instant investment i think you know put something of theirs on the line threaten something of theirs and you've instantly got higher stakes um and i think that can just really just drag people in straight away and it's such an it's such a simple thing to do you don't need to oh i need to you know plot out something to do with that 
just find a way to to link whatever plot skeleton you have to the the personal world of the characters that's that's my kind of tip in terms of of writing so it doesn't matter what kind of campaign you do whether it's social or fighting or whatever get it make it personal yeah i love that like you like you said it guarantees the characters whoever's life path is being pulled they're invested in that campaign now it's not just this casual thing it's a great way to get that get some depth to it and vampire bites in the chat says uh, the multi-shot, and he's a fellow GM, he streams, everyone should check out Vampire Bites. Uh, the multi-shot arc my game is going through was rolled up using Rob's campaign builder tables, but yeah, exactly what Phil is saying, customized for the team. So see, there's a prime example. You can use the general campaign builder to roll out the backbone and then fill in the details with things from the life path and you know the, the cyberpunk lore and things to give it the flavor, get the players invested. Great, great uh, comment, Vampire. Uh, but if that's it, it for Phil, who is next? I forgot what James and Brandon rolled. I know got a two. He got a three. Okay, cool. Three. Brandon, Remember. go for it. All right. So uh, rolling off of uh, what Phil was saying, uh, I think being inspired is a really big part of being able to pull something like this off. Um, it's one of my favorite things about this. Um, I think pulling from your favorite movies, your favorite books, and, and from all kinds of different media, it doesn't even have to be uh, specifically sci-fi. Uh, yeah. You could take the story of Hamlet um, and take one scene from that, uh, and and you can build something around that if you wanted to. Uh, it's, it's all about being open to be inspired as a, a GM, because I find that... Um, being open uh, and and receiving from from you know everything that you see and everything that you hear and these different things that you experience you know being open to see that you know seeing like uh, walking down the street seeing this really cool looking building or something like that that's probably going to stay in your head and it's going to come out while you're describing something at the table that you didn't have any prep for. Turns out just by living your life and looking around and and just smelling the roses a little bit, you're prepping already. These are things that can come out in prepped games or non-prepped games. And, and I find that uh, some of the best games I've had were ones that I had no time to prep for. Uh, so I highly recommend that, you know, um, you take a look at some of your favorite things. If it's something that you love and you're going to run a game from this, then you're going to be more invested. Your players are going to be more invested as well. And if you tie that together with a personal story, like Phil <laughs> said, then... 100% you're going to have uh, a really good time at the table because people are going to have this amazing give and take. Uh, so that's, that's my biggest reckon, recommendation is be open to allow yourself to be inspired because that's a very malleable thing that you can apply uh, in games like this. Yeah, I think Vampire Bites wants to see Lear as a cyber psycho. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and Brandon, you saying uh, uh, some of the great greatest campaigns you've had or gameplay or sessions have been you know unplanned or, or with little to no prep and i gotta say i think a lot of that stems from because i've had that same type of experience and i think a lot of that stems from um leaning into the players a bit more too because like when you lack the exact like beginning middle end and granted it can go any direction to get to those points we've discussed that in previous episodes we're all gms we know how it works but um but as you're doing that, it's like, man, uh, when, you, when you have no, none of those points, 
you tend to dive in. And if you don't have a campaign builder or a backbone, you just go for it. It's like, okay, uh, yeah, you started your day. You're starting your morning. Where are you guys going for today? You kind of like lean a little more on the players. And it tends to go in directions that you never would have thought of because all of a sudden you have, you know, everyone's mind at the table contributing versus you kind of laying out the main points and then everyone contributing as it goes. It's like everyone kind of has equal parts and it just starts building in these directions you never would have thought of. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. 100%. Yeah, like being able to own a slice of the world is really handy, um, especially if you're scrambling to come up with stuff. <laughs> I want to play a Shakespearean red campaign, though. Yeah, I love that idea. You know, I love that you mentioned that because usually we all mention, uh, you know, film and TV and stuff, but you don't think of like, you know, old school plays and like maybe even old world history and things like that, you know, you can pull from that you may, maybe wouldn't think oh, of. Oh, yeah. Classics are classics for a reason, right? Yeah. Um, Lion King is essentially Hamlet. What was Sorry. that, Phil? I was going to say we live in a pretty cyberpunk dystopia today so there's plenty of issues that you want to draw on and glance at you don't need a like a carefully constructed campaign to to kind of glance at at some sort of problem that you see in the world um so i try and cover like little bits like uh, i might look at for-profit medical care through implants and stuff you know you can if you see in something as as um brando says if you see something it's and interests you, especially in the modern world. You can probably put it in a campaign. Now I haven't tested this, but I think clickbait uh, article <laughs> titles might actually be good inspiration too. <laughs> That's true too. Great scream sheet titles, you know. Work, yeah. work from there. <laughs> and design of viruses to yeah to fight. This weird new cyberware can give you X number of something. Right. Um, Fuckers hate him. Yeah. <laughs> and med, te med techs hate him. Yeah. It's even funnier. That's even funnier. Okay. Good, James, why don't you. Uh, right. Us? So, um, charts. I want to I wanna bring them up. They're on page 397. And uh, there's an example. Boss, open your books chart. to 397. Um. <clears throat> an example beat chart on 397 on the right. And it gives a good example of uh, how you might just take these ideas and string five of them together and then run a session, run a campaign, especially if you do a longer campaign. The other thing is, so <clears throat> let's talk about the three scenarios you're going to be in when you um, run a game like this. One, I typically run a two-hour game in this scenario number one. In a two-hour game, you should probably play one shot. You should probably play a scream sheet. Most likely, you haven't played all the scream sheets. Play one you haven't played yet. Um, and people are going to have fun. It's guaranteed. Um, <clears throat> two, um, if you're one of the people that plays four-hour sessions, you can't run a scream sheet. All right. Um, you have too much time. Um, and because of that, what you're going to need to do is hit these beat charts... Um, is hit these beat charts on that page, 397. Three that you want, stream together, and connect them. Whenever there's a question of who should be this person, it's always somebody from the life path. You can't do a four-hour session without life path. It will make sense to your players that they will connect to. Um, 
unless you're very long into a campaign and you have a bunch of characters that they've dynamically created and you've, you know, they really liked the sushi chef at this restaurant, so they became a character. Unless you have a lot of that stored up, which is great, um, you're going to have to go to life path for this sort of like, I'm on the back foot, oh no. Um, <clears throat> another good tool um, is if you watch how much time you have left in your session and try to meter that if you need to random encounter a random encounter there are random encounter tables in the book um, they're set to different times and different places in Night City um, they make sense and they will sort of underscore that yes the plot is about the characters and the characters are the story that is moving forward through the world but setting also has something to say about the setting itself and uh gang wars cannot involve the players um i think it's also important to have an element of randomness as <clears throat> there's this weird thing where even if you try very very hard to progress the story naturally through your players if that's all you're doing if there's never anything that isn't plot progression it doesn't matter how much choice they have they will feel like they're being railroaded which is not what's happening but if they feel like it they might feel like their choices don't matter um number three you have a longer than a four hour session that's going to be hard to do off your hat for longer than four hours running a marathon without any training beforehand without stretching be don't don't do uh don't do longer than a four-hour session if you're just going to go off the top of your head. <laughs> yeah, if you're on crazy. the back foot and you, if you somehow forgot to plan for a six-hour session, <laughs> you are one you probably forgot your friend's birthday party at that point, <laughs> and you're you're on that level of the back foot. So maybe string both the ideas together, run a screen sheet in the middle of three beat charts, a hits, throwing, and you might get the target to use up time. Um, even better, order pizza in the middle of the session and have a break for food because you'll need it. Yeah. Um, you will. <laughs> you will. Um, I've never been that screwed, but I've heard people who have been, and um, they seem to get through it fine uh, with minor, uh, with minor uh, mental damage. <laughs> um, probably some humanity loss after doing that. <laughs> um, it's actually harder run the game without prep than it is to do with prep um so so expect to take more breaks you know don't come safely everybody um uh, what else we got here um more oh no that's it that's it that's all we got um have fun uh run a screen sheet if you've got two hours if you're doing four hours try to do a couple hits of a beat chart if you're doing more than four hours, order pizza in the middle and um, try to make something work. But honestly, you should not be on the back foot. Like, I didn't prepare for the session, showing up to your session, unless that was the stated goal of the day. Um, and uh, there was the reason why we started this idea with, oh, no, you forgot something or you just didn't have time. Because sort of... Faces what you should have done. 
you not you should not have done this. Um, <laughs> at the end of the day, preparation is going to make you more comfortable. It's easy to do, and you can do it. It's easier to do a session with 30 minutes of prep than it is to do it with 10 minutes of prep by far. Those extra 20 minutes can give you basically everything. Um, oh, yeah. I think that's I would, a really I would good even point. go as much as say, if you've got a flexible game start time, move the game start time back 30 minutes and sit down and do nothing but Great prep. Point. Um, running without prep is, is sometimes kind of fun. And uh, it's a skill you can develop just like that, but uh, just because it's a skill you can develop doesn't mean that you shouldn't be developing the other skill you could have been developing instead. 100%. Um, it's one of those things where it's some people, it's a style some people have. This is my personal opinions. Um, but uh, we have a bunch of systems to help you if you run into this situation. And uh, good luck. That's, I'm sure there that's must be gaming better. groups out there who who have like a bunch of RPGs and they're just like, let's play this. Um, yeah. I don't know ah. who they are, but they must be out there. Uh, well, my buddy and, David's and like those... that. My buddy David's like yeah, that. I used to just... I played D and D fifth edition with him before the quarantine stuff started over a year ago, and then I we transitioned online. I did you know started streaming Cyberpunk and stuff, but I found out from him he has a whole room with bookcases of like every role playing game every board game like him and his wife just love gaming and like they post oh, pictures like daily cool. whether facebook or instagram or whatever just playing different board games different role-playing games and like they just bust them out and go for it um but yeah i think they're not they're also not doing like four and six hour sessions mind you you know it's like it's uh yeah they're jumping into it but they're doing a feasible amount of it to where it, it makes sense and it's still fun i agree with like what james said if you're if, if you're doing a six hour session and you know you're, you're going to that with no prep and something else is wrong. You're probably showing up with no pants on and shit. You forgot to eat, you know, things like that. Cause that's, that's incredible. Um, and if things go past, I do want to mention this. It's not, it doesn't have to do with no prep, but PWB in the chat uh, and shout out to PWB leads up our, uh, help, helps with the scream sheet project with uh, capricious nature. But he says, my first three sessions went four to six hours longer than I intended. Meaning, I imagine with that, you know, you, you were planning so long with it, but then it went four to six hours over than you intended. I would say if you ever get into a situation like that where things are going so crazy off the rails where it's just, you know, no prep would matter at that point because obviously you're going way past what you expected by hours, don't be scared to, leave, you know, end it on a cliffhanger. You know, if things are going a little off and it, okay, let me throw in an encounter, something crazy, end it there. Now I have time to really think and plan from that point on. If it went too far off the rails and you can't pull it back, can't do whatever, don't be scared to end the session. You know, if you already went, the length you wanted. Why go another four to six hours? That's tough. <laughs> ten hour session, all this the time. ten hour session better be catered, man. <laughs> <laughs> you better be catering or something. It's insane. I wish I had that, friends that good. They would do that with me. <laughs> I love I love that idea, uh, James, of like there's always like a bit of you can always take a bit of time to prep. So like you're not prepped can be actually I'm going to sit for thirty thirty minutes and just do a bare bones like um you know using the stuff that that like rob has said using a chart or, or using your beat charts um there's i think no, there's there's no reason why you can't schedule yourself to show up to the location 30 minutes before the session starts and then just prep and then do it mm, if you hard finding it hard to find time to prep in between your sessions if you just schedule extra time getting yeah. to do it uh, I'd run into that a couple of times with Realmsmith where um, we were very, very terrain dependent 
and uh, so that that's something that um, it was really important that we always use this terrain, partly because of sponsorships and things like that. So there were a number of times where I had certain beats figured out, but that's that's all I had because the rest was terrain dependent, and I didn't have all the terrain in front of me. It was all at Jason's house. So <laughs> I would get to Jason's house. I would get there a half an hour early, and I would throw together a map, and then this map would end up building the story while I'm putting it together, uh, you know, awesome. using like Dwarven Forge or something like that. Uh, there's this session that I did that took place inside of a volcano where instead of uh, magma, it was actually molten gold. And uh, that all came together. Uh, like I had an idea that it was going to be inside this volcano of molten gold, but, but the entire session and the way all of that went um, was ba- it came together last minute right there on the table. Um, awesome. And it's one of the most memorable ones that that I've ever run. It was it was a ton of fun, and I I wouldn't have had that without that kind of last minute rush of creativity. Because creativity yeah. often comes in those times of constraint. Let me let me give you an additional nugget. Buy a bunch of blockus sets. Get a secondhand store. They sell a lot of blockus because people buy blockus a lot. Yeah. Um, they have those. Beautiful, like plasticky pieces. They're chunky enough to like st- not move if the wind blows. You can just get a bunch of them, put them in a bucket, and sort of pour them to create a water feature. <laughs> uh, you can get a red, nice little lava. I've done plenty of blockus lava flows in my day, and every time it's the first time. That's awesome. <laughs> That sounded weird, like a romantic comedy movie or something. Every it is, time, it was, is. every it, time is the they, first time, like the first time. <laughs> you put some put some tiles down, and you pour some blockus pieces over it. And now like, it's getting now perverted. It's putting towels down. Shit, it's getting weird. No, tiles, tiles. Oh, Jesus. I thought you said towels. <laughs> <laughs> but no, Brandon. One thing, me and Phil did a, a previous episode of campaign building or something where we talked about it. Um, and exactly what you just said, I, I did for a while instead of, and this was prior to making my quick campaign builder, was instead of structuring the campaign beginning, middle, end plot, hooks, locations, things, you know, all the bells and whistles, you know, or whatever, um, and then finding the maps that fit certain things or imagery to represent certain things. I, there was a while where I was having fun kind of reverse engineering that in a sense, like starting with the map and then breaking down the components of the map to make sense to parts of the campaign and things. Okay, this is what I have to work with. Let me come up with a story to tie these together one way or another somehow. And like, it was kind of fun doing that, you know? And I think like you just said, it, it, I don't know, forces you to think outside the box and sometimes creative ideas will spark from that that you wouldn't have normally thought of if it, if you had to really think about it. I don't know if that makes sense, but sometimes your subconscious will yeah. kick something out without really thinking about it too much. And you're like, ah, oh, well, <laughs> you know? We talked so, about, yeah, we talked about this in, in planning encounters was like the terrain itself should be a character in in the encounter so that that can help you create something just just a fun set piece it's just like come up with the set piece and then get your people there i also want to shout out another way to play trpgs which is we're going to have a dinner party and we're all going to bring something to eat and uh, there's going to be a higher level of terrain that's going to show up. Like, so we're going to break out the Monster Fight Club train. We're going to break out our Dwarven Forge. And I'm going to build one area that's going to have one, maybe two encounters in it. It's going to be minimal gameplay. I'm only planning two hours of the session, but that whole time you're going to be on that premium terrain, etc. 
and somebody's gonna bring like smoked salmon or something. It's gonna be tasty. <laughs> And uh, everybody's going to walk out of the evening feeling like they should sign a guest book or something. Um, <laughs> cool. There's a, a, there's a classier, there's a, there's a secret classy, like, you can mix inner party planning with, let's play some tabletop role-playing games, too. And you could have some fun just showing up to an event that's not all about playing cyberpunk, but that's playing cyberpunk in it. You could do some classy stuff. That's all I'm saying. True. I, I, too, I've got the Dwarven Forge train, and um, when I bust it out, I almost feel like we should be eating dinner. <laughs> nice. Yeah, it's nice stuff. Um, I just want to mention... Dinner in danger. Quincy uh, Forder in chat talking about um, he would do minimum uh, prep work and modular uh, general stuff and then come up with like a default timeline, and that timeline would be there so if the players don't do anything relating to the story uh, and it goes sandbox or whatever. Uh, and then he says he went 12 hours straight with that formula in Eclipse phase with what began as rite of passage type of adventure. Um, and yeah, I, I agree. I think um, you, know, you get to the point where it's like minimum planning is better. It's actually more planning for how the game goes because if you want to leave things open to player things, you know, agency and the things that can happen, but it is good to have those alternative timeline things, you know, the, the plot hook and locations and things that, okay, well, if they don't go for that, maybe they can get that information over here somehow, you know, and you'll have your alternative options. So you don't lose your campaign. You don't lose all the plots and things, but that way you don't, you don't lock it into certain people and locations to where um, everything is freaking railroaded, you know, but I think that's a great point. To that make. can, that can really harm you because if, the players really resist what you put in front of them and they want to do something else. You've just spent a load of time exactly. and effort on something that they are not interested in. And so your prep is actually counter to, to, to the using energy you could be using just to, to play. Yeah. I mean, you never really want to get into that situation anyways. And sometimes if they yes. keep doing that, it's time to pull them aside and go, hey, guys, I, I, I made this whole thing. Is there a different way we want to play? How do we want to? Yeah. You know, talk about it like adults. It used to tend to. I've been through scenarios like that, and I've not talked about it. And then I've been through scenarios like that that I've talked about it, and the second one's always better. Oh yeah. Sometimes it's not Thanks. a big, you know, they don't even know they're doing it, you know. Um, yeah, yeah, totally. 100%. And it's not that they're going off the rail. Sometimes they're just sort of getting, they're putting stuff in between you and your prep. Like, oh, I want to just do this first, and it turns oh. into. Or sometimes, sometimes they'll in interpret certain things to be more important than other things, and it'll end up throwing things in a different direction. You know, sometimes it, it'll be very innocent. You know, they'll they'll just interpret something differently, and it'll cause things to change. And th so, this uh, kind of goes for the argument of um, prep modular stuff ahead of time. You know, so like just as a GM, if you get little ideas, you know, just yeah. prep this little portion that you could pull in, whether it's just an idea for a dungeon or, you know, an, an idea for, you know, a, a startup booster gang or something like that, that you could easily work in. And it has nothing to do with the rest of the story, but it could tie into the rest of the story because it's generic enough. You know, these, these are yeah, things you just have. Yeah. In, in my back pocket, I have this idea of, of that hasn't fit anywhere yet, which is to do with um some some kids who have been like dragged into a gang and they want to get out um and they they need help sort of 
removing themselves from this gang they've decided is actually more hardcore for them hasn't fit anywhere it doesn't go in any campaign yet right but it's it's sat there ready for when it's useful so i think it's a really good point like you'll naturally come up with ideas that you can just that's a great point you gotta you whenever you have a cool idea you owe it to yourself they're taken out take the time out of your day pretend to go to the bathroom and write it in your phone that's what i do (laughs) Is that a lot? That's a great point. And, and, <laughs> and you can also do that same thing like Phil was saying if it's uh, something along the lines of like Quincy's alternate timeline because they didn't hit on certain points. So like if they don't utilize some of the cool little ideas or plot hooks or twists or encounters or whatever, if they missed them or didn't use them, they're not all lost. Like like Phil said, just remember them. Like James said, write them down. Don't forget. Make note. And eventually yeah. there will yeah. be a moment you're like, ooh, this is perfect for that moment. And you bring it out. I carry this little notebook, this little moleskin notebook with me everywhere for that very reason. And a pen. Uh, do it. Hopefully one that can survive being in a pocket all the time. Oh, yeah, I've got my old school uh, my old school little press recorder thing. Make my little notes. And <laughs> even, even though I should be using my phone, I still have that from back in the day. I still use it. <laughs> just use the note function. I know, I know. I still I use just, that, though. That's what I was saying. It's hey. fun. Anyway. Uh, are we ready for some Chumba chat? Yeah, let's get in, Yeah, let's do it. Let's get into uh into that. I'll bring up the logo here. The logo. All right. Well, the little imagery. I I, I pull out the the combat zone uh, imagery there. I, I just love that image. Um, to me, it represents Chumba Chat and hit, hitting the streets with the chat. You know, I don't know. I love the vibe of it. <laughs> that's, 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 that's what we'll, I like we'll bring there. it to us. Bring it. Bring the questions to us from the streets. Oh yeah. Yeah, and anybody with chat, if you want to put questions in there um, or make comments about previous things we mentioned, go for it. You know, there's no rules here. We're just casually talking about gaming with no prep and any questions. You know, we have James here from our Talsorian. If you have any questions about Red or our Talsorian, you know, we got him here. Uh, Brandon has worked with Realmsmith. He's starting his own brand. He's also playing with us. Phil, Roll the Cast, Baby Beard Media. I founded Cyberpunk Uncensored. So, any questions about any of that stuff? It doesn't only have to do with gaming with no prep, obviously. But um, what's uh, what's everybody's current uh, method of making their campaigns, like whether quick or planned or whatever? Like, do you like uh, what, what's kind of your current? I tend to try and find some sort of issue that I want to talk about, whether it's uh, medical care or, or, or like debt or. Or like the reason people get into gangs and stuff, and so I try. I come from like a bigger narrative idea and sort of try and make that into a story. I don't think it's a very common way of doing it, but I, I quite like. I think Cyberpunk's great for talking about real world stuff, uh, exploring kind of those questions about our world. So that's what I like to do. So I start there and and then sort of build backwards. What about you guys? Uh, my my weekly play group has been, and they know it. They signed up for it. Is my the uh, the degenerate uh, gulag of playtesting in which they playtest whatever I have that week. <laughs> they love it, and they're happy about it, and they don't complain so happy. anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yes, James. Whatever you say. <laughs> Today we're going to use dominoes instead of dice. <laughs> <laughs> Which number do I use? The one or the five? What about you, Brandon? For me, um, 
I use a mix between like some pre-prepped modular stuff and unprepped entry into the game because um, I I really enjoy that feeling of flying by the seat of your pants, but I don't like going in like without pants, if you know what I mean. 100%. You, you got to have pants on if you're going to fly by the seat of them. Right. So <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I like to, to have those, um, those ideas jotted down. Usually I'll, I'll have been thinking about it maybe not taking notes, but thinking about what I'm going to do for the session or finding that thing that feels right. And then when we get to the table, that'll usually be the main theme of what we're about to do. Uh, and then a lot of the other ideas that I've had from then on will factor into that. And then I often use the uh, one-shot prep techniques, you know, of having a schedule of knowing when things need to move along, keeping an eye on the clock, that sort of thing. Yeah, I've used the uh, my quick campaign builder in the past, like handful of sessions. So I don't sit there and overthink. Well, I guess I, I could make this about this or that, and like I start second guessing, and then I start overthinking, and then I'm like, "Fuck! I have too many options. I can't, you know, settle on anything because I love all of them." And like, so I've been using my quick campaign builder to at least get me into the backbone of it, and then I kind of pull in something I find really interesting, whether like culturally or technologically or, um, you know, violent or something that just sparks a sort of passion within a certain aspect of emotion. And then 100% lately, I've been all about twists and surprises. I really love trying to come up with creative ways to just make shit happen or a twist on something like you're expecting, oh, this is cut and dry. I just got to do this. Then you get there and you're like, wait, what? And like, I just love, uh, twists and and you know things like little surprises and stuff lately like you guys it's uh, a cool like thing like when i said like uh, every, God, yeah. every everyone roll resist torturing drugs yesterday during sirenscape you know you're all eating breakfast with leviticus from the nixie you know and he's very that southern charm polite and then all of a sudden like you realize he's drugging everyone so he could really just get some info and fuck them you know like so i love little surprises like that like complete twists you know uh, so Quincy's over here. He's asking me about um, the the commune haven. He says, uh, uh, "So yeah, I call it heaven uh, with an AI." So that's very nice. Thank you for for prompting about that, which is I can kind of link to our topic uh, because I have a setting. I can base things in that setting, which also helps me because I've thought a lot about this this kind of particular place. It's home for edge runners, and then because I've thought about it so much, there are a ton of kind of jumping off points there. Um, and and other people have used it. So I've used it in a second campaign for Sirenscape. Someone used it for a campaign I ran in, which you said corporate infestation, which is which based out of heaven as well. So if people don't know, it's a edge runner commune where they're trying to live by anarchist principles in a, in a tower that they took over. And an AI runs it, helps them organize without leaders and stuff. So it, it's an idea that I decided to develop prior to my first campaign. But now it's this kind of basis where I'm like, what if I did a murder investigation in the tower? How would anarchists deal with like a murderer in their midst? Or what if they are short on clean water? What if the tower gets attacked from the air by um, the, the Red Chrome Legion? Um, what if people start calling on heaven for help in the local neighborhoods? How do they respond? So I've got these ideas just because I, I have a, a kind of home base for my players. And so 
um, I found that to be a really cool kind of anchoring point for me and my stories. Um, and also, yes, thank you for allowing me to plug my stuff. I am planning on making that into like a proper <laughs> module because I've thought way, way, way too much about how it might work. And like I said, the issues that, that people might come up with there. Um, and I think as, as we were talking about earlier, you will just naturally come up with ideas based on if you're playing an ongoing game particularly you you have these ideas for like stuff that shoots off that might not be part of the main plot and then if you're feeling a bit underprepared just just use them yeah, yeah um pwb thanks so much he says i've been loving your red sessions rob um yeah i've been really into it i have a new team starting tomorrow i did want to mention uh sean from Roll to Cast, one of Phil's partners is joining me. Also, Greg from How to Drink, uh, as well as some other players, Steve from Sirenscape uh, and some others. Uh, Tara Bella Pondsmith will be with us, uh, Roten. Um, so that, that team session zero will be tomorrow. Um, but yeah, I've, uh, just as much red as I can do. I, I absolutely love it. But I'm also starting up uh, Fallout. I've done a recent partnership with Modifius, or uh, hopefully I'm getting that name right. But um, we just kind of got into preliminary talk in this past week, and um, I'm going to be running some Dune, some Fallout, uh, I think Brandon's going to be joining me. We're doing. I'm, I'm also partnering with Mad Queen for some game stuff, uh, some stuff on our channel, her channel. Um, just a, a lot of expansions. Plus, we're launching a Kickstarter. We got these collapsible dice towers and uh, custom uh, cyberpunk style dice. Um, these cases that look like gun magazines. Just really badass stuff. These miniatures that have magnet uh, heads, arms, legs, backpacks, things so you can change up the way that they look. Um, completely an interchange, just amazing stuff we're working on, really innovative, really cool-looking things. Uh, the towers are going to have uh, Roll to Cast, How to Be a Great GM, a bunch of other streamer logos. We're doing a bunch of licensing with all these people and brands. I was really hoping to get RTG into it, but uh, it didn't didn't pan out. I know I was kind of hyping that for the past months, but it didn't pan out, but it's fine. we got a lot, a lot of other brands on board and people, so it's going to be coming soon. Um, but uh, Vampire was mentioning in the chat, too, about his... Um, you know, lack of prepping and leaving it open for player agency, letting it develop. And one thing he said is, really, I'm a player that ended up being a GM, so I prefer minimal, minimal prep because I can't really plan an entire campaign, but also probably because that's how I played D&D as a kid, and then I moved on to the White Wolf stuff. And I got to say, 100%, I, like when I think back when I was a kid first getting into like D&D &D and then cyberpunk and, and stuff, um, me and my friends would play, and one friend in particular, uh, me and my buddy Eric, uh, we would sit and play like out, you know, he would stay the night at my house, me at his house, we'd play all, all fucking night, and it would just be completely open world. We rarely, we'd run off maybe one of the scream sheets in the back of the 2020 book or something once in a while, but mostly we would just... All right, you woke up. What do you want to do? And it was just fun to be like, oh, I want to go to a, like a local bar. You look at the Night City map. We had the Night City source book. We're like, oh, let's go here. What number is it? And it was just fun to open world it and see where things go. Um, I, I really enjoy that too. Uh, he's, uh, there's another question for you. It looks like, uh, have you, uh, Phil, have you read Nexus by Ramez Nam? It, no, I haven't. It's a brilliant <laughs> idea. Just that. waiting for GM to adapt it. Okay. Yeah, uh, I, I haven't, but I, that goes to that point of, of yeah, uh, adapt things that you like. I want to set something on a generation ship at the moment because I think it'd be a really cool idea of like those challenges that you might face, political and otherwise, on a multiple generations of travel between the stars. So, yeah, there's always things percolating there. Um, I wanted to ask, um, because we were talking about random encounters earlier, 
um i wanted to ask what's do you have like a memorable story james of like what's the best thing that's rolled up out of a random encounter mm. that's a that you're asking for a very specific randomly generated story um <laughs> typically uh, i love writing brand new npcs for my things so i don't really use the random generator table a lot a lot of times i'm using it as a halfway like hey i started up this thing that i could totally just copy and paste into my writing for my work <laughs> um i'm using it as a place to it's not it's not really how i game these days so no but mm. um uh i had a i had a great one happen with the uh, um the Inquisitors just turn up in one of my campaigns off a random table. I needed something dangerous to happen because uh, I felt we were low on do threat it. that day. And so they're just like wandering around the streets and they just like, accost one of the characters. Hey, you, do you have Chrome? Oh, you do. You're, you're bad. Situation. Begin. Yeah. <laughs> and I was imagining the Inquisitors just being the type of people to hold up those uh, the end is nigh signs. Mm. Stand on corners on little boxes, yelling. Yeah, I, I think they're on corners with with uh, signs. Yeah, that was how they how they showed up to me. Hey, uh, I always think they should have whips. They should go around whipping people. Shay. Oh Shay. yeah. <laughs> um, seems thematic. Hit us with your questions, guys. Yeah, anybody has any questions, drop. Does anyone hesitate to include canon characters or places in their games? It seems unlikely top-level NPCs will be included low-level players. PWB, uh, I think you've heard me question. mention that. Uh, and I think I talked to you about that, too, uh, when we were doing a, a previous stream. But, yeah, I rarely incorporate, you know, canon characters or, you know, famous lore or big-time stuff because it, it comes across cheesy. I feel like... You know, in a, in a big world, a big city that's overpopulated, very dystopian, cutthroat, the way it is, like, not everyone is going to meet Johnny Silverhand back in 2020, and not everyone's going to meet, you know, like, in the, you're not going to meet all these famous characters. Now, they're there for lore, news, people that might know them, maybe a story trailing from them. I love stuff like that, but, but I agree. I think the interaction needs to be minimum, otherwise it's going to feel too contrived, and, and to me, I guess cheesy is the word I'm, I'm thinking. I don't know the right oh. wording for that, but it just feels weird. So when you do that, anytime you're meeting like a main a character who's named in the book face to face, um, should have had to either get that meeting. Um, the worst thing would be is they want to talk to you for no reason. Like they call you up, like, "Hey, buddy." Right. <laughs> um, no, heard, that heard that you. would be cheesy. That is cheesy, but. Not all fixers get jobs from the ether. A lot of fixers get jobs from other fixers. So if your fixer knows their fixer. Could be possible that the the big canon character is your fixer's contact. Um, I think it's also uh, it's also rather powerful to uh, as they level up higher, especially if you have a fixer player character give them a contact that is named in the core book and i think you tapped into some, something like if it's a fixer say that knows a fixer that does know that that canon famous person maybe it's not the thing where it's like that direct contact 
but maybe since you know that fixer, you're at that fixer's fixer's night market or something along and that, that person shows up, walks through, and you see them. It's not a direct interaction, but they're there or something. Maybe something along those lines. There are tons of fixers in casual. the core book that would, that would love to do business with the player characters if they were good enough. And it's a way of showing them that, hey, you're no longer in the first tier of play. You're now in the second tier of play. How these people will give you the time of day on their terms. Oh, yeah, that's awesome. Um, so you've got the it, big plot. You can in, you can have canon things as well that aren't necessarily these 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 core characters, right? You can still interact with things like like Biotechnica um, with Militech and stuff. You don't have to uh, to interact them at the the highest level. I, I mean, as long as they're not like meeting Michiko Sanderson. That's right. Yeah. With without. On day serious one. <laughs> next. If they're not like a Fixer 8 or something or a Corp 8, they shouldn't be meeting Michiko Sanderson. Media shouldn't be interviewing Michiko Sanderson. <laughs> something has gone wrong. Um, I sometimes but, uh, do little background flavor stuff, so I'll, I'll throw in like a pre-written news report or something, and you can throw in a face of a Corpo there, you know. A, there's a great um, on one of the pages in the carpet. There's a news um, title generator, which can roll like CEO kills dog, <laughs> yeah, um, or something like that. Uh, and that one's really fun to roll um, as a as a fun session that you might be able to do without prep. And that's a great uh, point you mentioned. Scream sheets earlier and roll, stuff. But... Roll once, and there you go. Yeah, and, that, and that, that's a great way, like like its own quick campaign builder right there to, to throw together a scream sheet to build that one shot off for fun or whatever. I mean, uh, but that's kind of, that's the fun of having a tarot deck, right? Yeah. Like, what did I get this time? Mm, corporation, buys, ah. Oh, looks like we're doing this this week. If, mm -hmm. if you ever need, like, one step to start a process, maybe... So you need that like one thing so you're not at the blank page, you're at the page with one sentence on it. That. And back on pointing out your one shot pack as well. Like say you have a player who's who's just rocked up, this person has decided last minute they want to come. Uh you've got this you've got that one shot pack with a you know, a dozen characters in it. What what appeals to you? Here you go. It's it's fully statted. You know, there's always that little resource to get you over that line of the thing that you're missing that one shot pack has net architectures those can be a little bit hard to come up with on the fly if you've got a net runner in a party you want them doing net running stuff say the bare you know, minimum to get off the ground give them the one shot pack still roll life path yep it'll take five minutes but it'll make them enjoy the game twice as much and, especially and if you reference their life path because then they'll suddenly be like what something matters Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, came uh, out with this guy five minutes ago, and you're like, "So, back on he that, doesn't feel that way." On that cannon, he doesn't. <laughs> this is another. Back on that uh, that cannon it's, it's encounter. He's 43. I want I want to mention before chat loses him, but Vampire was saying back on that cannon encounter that roll seven or eight, like uh, the roll ability seven or eight, is where I start planning on introing names. Like I usually wait till his players get up to about you know level or roll ability seven or eight before you might be considered of the caliber to kind of meet some of these famous names 
uh, from the book, some of the canon. And that makes sense. That's playing into like what James was saying. You know, if you're just starting out, you're not gonna you're not gonna get that interview. You're not gonna book that meeting. They're not gonna call you for help. You know, like you're just not gonna be interacting with NPCs and calibers and you know of that caliber. These uh, people from the lore or whatever. Um, so yeah, I agree with that. I think waiting until about level seven or eight or so, and, it, and it's all it all depends on what, what the encounter might be, you know. Would I would do it uh, earlier if it was a specific face from the corp and you had a corp player, um, just because they should at some point have to do the thing where the boss's boss is going to show up. They need to finish the TPS report. <laughs> I don't know. You need to hit your KPIs quick. I would never have them meet in person. I have them. You have to go to this giant um, interned at General Mills. They had the CEO show up, and there was an auditorium with like 600 people in it, and the CEO was there. And it's in that setting that you would meet him, right? Not. And I like. He's a hologram. Lord Deathhand uh, mentioned in there. I think it's always great to create secondary interaction with naked characters like the players will do XYZ for a fixer or third party and that is reflected in a headline with a named uh, character after the fact or corp. And yeah, see, and there's like an indirect association with maybe some canon lore or person or NPC or corp or something that maybe is above the caliber but it's like third party introduced. Like I was saying, like if you know the fixer of a fixer, maybe you get invited to his night market where you, you see you know, his contact, the caliber of his ship, but you're not going to get to interact with them. But you're, you're slowly third party getting associated, maybe, or at least get to see them. Um, I can understand. That that. I like, consequences can help more, as well. You have more like, questions? I, I like this. I want to keep going here. We have, um, <laughs> if you ever do the mysterious benefactor is giving your fixer a job, which is being given to you, just keep track of how many times you do that. And when you show off a named character, you can be like, they were the mysterious benefactor all along. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> They'll feel great about it. Exactly. That's cool. I have a tally mark of mysterious benefactor. Check, check, check. Let's see. Uh, Quincy, the reverse could be true too. A big name might need a fall guy or a no known ties and has the players hired. Exactly. And that, that's one way I could see it kind of working is maybe, but again, it's not going to be direct. You know what I mean? It, it's not like the main dude's going to call down to the first you know fourth level fourth uh rollability edge runner or whatever but again there's another sort of um backdoor approach or third party approach to being to involving some some bigger names I mean, the key, the key is just for. avoiding that like cheesy the first time you meet a named character is near entry level and it feels cheesy because they have no story reason to want to talk to you right 100 percent that's that's why people that's that's the drizzit thing people are trying to avoid i'll say the name this is this is this is a problem it's sort of the drizzit paradox you don't want to ever see drizzit in your D&D game um this is uh a, there's no way to do it without it feeling cheesy um but, uh Lord, uh, Lord Death. I think if you do it right, there are ways to do it right, and we've we've discussed a couple of those ways. Uh, do you want me to go, Rob? Were you going to ask the Lord Death Hands question? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, go for it. It says, "How do you guys feel about rolling rolling in the older uh, Cyberpunk 2020 resources for Red? Some of the old Chromebooks or Max Metal?" Ooh, James. 
I think you should um, start that with. It's that amazing to get inspired by 2020 stuff, but if you're pulling out of Max Metal, it will need it, it will need a little bit of conversion that you'll do on your own time. Um, be a lot easier to just get inspired by the content, um, and but direct translations of 2020 mechanics are very difficult to do. Um, there's possibility for a limited amount of that, um, which I've detailed in Old Guns Never Die. Um, but uh, remember how earlier when we were talking about uh, hardened lieutenants and hardened uh, mooks that I, and well, you asked if there was a uh, if there was a great formula that passed through my methods. Uh, there is no the answer is there is no great formula. It will have to be done by hand. Um, so much I could create a great formula. I put it in old guns never die. Cars on the way. Chrome's coming. Have no fear. Give us the crime. Um, Night City Sourcebook is an amazing sourcebook because so much of it has no mechanical stuff in it, and it's just full of ideas. And it's just one of the best sourcebooks from 2020 to play in red. That would be the one that I would say, whoa, get that, um, instead of Max Metal, which would be hard to move forward. It's funny because my Night City source book, I still have, you know, all my first prints of all that shit from when I was a kid. I, I still uh, lean into the Night City source book for fun little things because it is so it's so full of just odd and end goodies. Like, it's just so good. <laughs> when I when you told your story earlier about how you would just say, hey, where do you want to go today? I want to go to this bar. I could tell that you played with the Night City source book oh, yeah. as a kid. I get a hundred percent tell because that's the book that you would have that kind of fun in. And it was so um, cool because it, like, I'm, I, I'm even like getting the same feeling of when I was a kid right now talking about it. Like it, it felt so deep and so big and real, you know, like mm -hmm. going around Night City using that book. It was like, man, every block, it's like laying out different options, and like it was just so good. And then the the gang breakdowns just had so many. The metro system, the typical layout of a. Expense, exec apartment, like it had all these like little goody things in it that are just that, book, that book's very magical, so awesome, very magical, book. so awesome. One of my favorite things that I remember is like it's it's technically legal to like blow up cars if they're parked in handicapped spaces. And it's just like a sidebar, <laughs> and it's just great. Uh, it talks about like when that law came into being. <laughs> it's it's just such a nice little bit of flavor. It doesn't really belong in another book, but I'm so glad it's there. Um, of the, Speaking uh, of, of of these great sources, do we, do we know when the full-on hope's coming back? Is it coming back? What? The full-on hope? Well, I think a few hope. people are waiting. Hope. I can't announce anything. Can't say, can't say. I, I, I imagine um, that will be the similar to Vampire Bites question as well. Um, Still uh, ask it anyways. Yes. Yes, I know you can't say and or don't know. When can we expect black chrome, rusted chrome, and question mark, question mark, question mark. Because I think there was a high writer's book you guys talked about coming to with the rust and black I will chrome. Promise, I will promise one thing. And you get it, it will be good. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> that's, the, that's the thing controlled within our power to do. Yeah. That's what we can promise rush, right now. I can promise that you will. is forever bad. Hell yeah. Oh, until the reprint. <laughs> vampire says he's holding you to that <laughs> no bug. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure you'll like it vampire no bugs and glitches no it'll be good to go 
capricious. You'll turn one page and it'll be like. <laughs> That's funny. All the, all the other pages of the book will be blank, and you'll have to close it and <laughs> open it again to get the ink. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I love that's such a good idea. <laughs> oh, the Windows startup sound. Oh, that's funny. Man, the idea would be great in Harry Potter. Hey, little uh, little off off red topic. I wanted to see uh, Brandon. I, we all know you from Realmsmith and stuff, but you're getting ready to start your own uh, brand and kind of do that. Is it correct? What is that called again? Yeah, it's called The Endless Voyage. And the idea is that um, all of life is stories, right? So life itself is the endless voyage. And as we you know, read through books and we go through movies and we play video games and we play tabletop games, we're creating these stories that contribute to this endless voyage. So the idea was that I wanted to have a brand that would allow me to talk about anything, just kind of whatever came up, but, you know, have a structure around that approach as well. Um, so one of the first things that I'm, I'm playing around with is actually uh, doing live plays of video games, but RP, the internal monologue, uh, and the thought process of the character while going through the game and the game i was planning to start with cool. is actually uh 2077 so yeah <laughs> i really like that idea that's cool i'll watch it yeah <laughs> the, the tricky part will be trying to get a male v's voice down so we'll see <laughs> i like to do that at my table as well you know if you've got a lull you know some characters not in the action they're not a big talker you just say what's your character thinking yeah. Oh, and actually, on top of that, I am writing a uh, a novel right now as well that I plan to be releasing and, and promoting through the Endless Voyage. So, yeah. So keep your eyes open for something like that because I'll be dropping yeah, some man. sample chapters. Nice. Yeah. Awesome. I'm gone. Mm -hmm. Check the uh, chat. Yeah, chat. If any more questions, any more questions, get them in before we end this episode. Um, we have we have some more time if you got questions, but if you don't, we'll end it. <laughs> Cyber theme novel. He was an LPWB uh, who who also has a private channel on the Cyberpunk and Censor Discord. Uh, he's a writer. Everyone should check him out. PWB or PW yeah, Bind, isn't. depending on how you read his username. Mister Bind, if you're nasty, if you're into Janet Jackson. <laughs> People don't get that reference because I'm old, but it's fine. I think really getting into the head of a character or a player's character really helps the suspension of disbelief, especially then stand, the uh, standoff scenario. Absolutely. Yeah, give them depth. Bring them to life. Yeah. yeah that's what I like. Yeah, I need your... to use face down more. Using what? There's, we, oh, face we down. Talk a lot about, we talk a lot about being a really good GM. But um, I think there's also room for... Um, I want to be a really good player. Mm -hmm. One of the skills you can have as a player is I want to suspend my disbelief so hard. I'm going to be super suspended uh, in my disbelief. Um, I want to role play my character better, closer to the way I think they would act. Um, I want to um, you know, give more opportunities for other people to riff off what I'm doing. I want to do, I want to say open questions instead of closed questions. 
or I do this doesn't you want to do I do this in a way that leads to somebody else doing something too so they can have fun as well and I'm, I'm a fan of I think the, uh, talk a lot about being a good GM I think you talk about being a good player a little bit more too I love when same players, players uh, instead of saying it's I, just I love good players at my table it's so fun oh big but, time Big time, but I, I love when players too. Instead of saying like I do this or he, you know, my character says this, they just do it, and that's what I love about what we're doing on the Sirenscape gameplay. All, all my players and all my different streams lately, like all my new teams, they're just a, a an awesome caliber of players. Everyone is you know into it, cosplaying, doing voices. They're just they're into it. Hell yeah! But that's what I really love about the Sirenscape team, not just to hype up Brandon and Phil since we're, we're here in person. I'm not just kissing ass because we're face-to-face right now, but you know what I mean? Honestly, like, you know, you two and Rockette and Ellen, like, I love the fact that you rarely ever are like, well, she says this or he does this or whatever. Like, you literally say it in character or, like, you know, you'll act out things and, like, it just makes the game so much more immersive and so much more fun. It really does. You never want to You never want to oh, interrupt yeah. a player talking character to another player at your table ever <laughs> that starts happening and everybody suddenly starts having way too much fun you should probably break for pizza <laughs> <laughs> could get too it's, it's yeah. true though but if they if you get a situation when they start talking amongst themselves you, you you're not prepping you, that's a part you haven't had to prep for they're organically making fun yeah. let them do it you don't you know, have to prep that sometimes Sometimes the worst part about it is they're having way more fun than you could have thought for. Yes. <laughs> no matter what you do, it will never be as fun as them having an in-world conversation with two characters that they have in their heads and are suspended disbelief in and are embodying. 100%. That will always uh, be more fun than what you can do as a GM. So sometimes you just, wow, there's a really pretty bird over there. I'm going to look at the bird. <laughs> has, has a question for you, James. Um, have you ever had an idea that got Thanks away from you in a totally Outdoor, different way than you expected? Uh, that's a very big question. Uh, and the answer can only be yes, of course. Um, it's called well, Artel Soaring Games. No, no, no. No, 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 no. Uh, it's, it's a lot of things all the time. Um, scope creep is the negative way of putting that. Um... <laughs> But um, that's when a project grows arms and legs you didn't think it would have. And now you're like, oh, I'm making something else than I originally intended to make. Um, is that a problem? Uh, and you have to ask yourself if it's a problem. Most times it's not a problem. Uh, sometimes it is. Um, but I think you got to, um, when you're writing, when you're designing, you have to prepare for whatever you're doing to it to evolve it in some way, as well as... You know, it's not a progress bar that when it's completed, the book is done. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes what you're writing can increase the size of the bar, which you hope you write faster than the bar increases, um, or you'll never finish the book. Um, shout out to what you may experience. I'll write your book all the time. Anybody who writes books will feel, will feel that. Um, but, uh, but it's also... Uh, the idea of created. I'm gonna I'm gonna call out Rob here. This video script generated three more video scripts. What happened? 
What was that? I finished this video and it gave me the idea for three more videos while I was writing the script. You probably have that happen. Oh, oh yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. All the yeah. time, right? Oh yeah. And it's just at a certain level, it becomes what do you want to do with your time? Exactly. Uh, no, and sometimes that that's and, it with uh, the campaign building too. It comes into that that same mind frame where like you just can't settle because you keep thinking of different good ideas and tangents and something sparks something else. That's why that, that quick campaign builder I made came into play because I needed something to tell me this is your backbone. Now just fill in details around these set things because I, I would spend too much time like, fuck, I, this idea. Oh, actually, it could be this. Well, it could go this way. That guy could act like th it could be, this could be the twist. No, wait, that could. <laughs> and I'll just keep going like with ideas and ideas and like, absolutely. And it happens with script writing, all that shit, you know. Well, I will say that there comes a point in time in every project where you must move from synthesis to polish mm -hmm. um, you will say i've figured out what this thing that i'm doing is and now i need to make sure that it is polished and complete and uh, making the when do you make that turn you know um in your writing process uh that's a matter of personal preference um but uh certainly the more you do that the more you'll end up writing. Oh. Yeah, th and, thanks, know, Lord Deathham. As far Death as I'm Hand. concerned, that's a good thing. Thanks, Lord Deathham, for the sub. By the way, I want to say that before it got too far away. And uh, and the anti Poddine D20 for the follow. And I see you're also from uh, Phil's town, apparently, huh? Mm -hmm. That's oh, yeah. Heath. Oh. Yeah, I know. I I know. Oh, nice. <laughs> awesome dude. Uh, de definitely follow his stuff. He does some great things. Very cool. Oh. Quick question from Lord Deathhand. Has anyone tried expanded cops or C SWAT in red? What do you mean tried? Tried expanded cops or C SWAT? You mean like incorporating them into your campaign as like an NPC or an encounter or, or part of the story? Or do you mean I, trying them I as think a... I know what he means. Um, I think he's referring. Maybe this is wrong, and correct me if I'm wrong, but um, a lot of times you'll be playing with a lawman, and uh, you, they'll be generating these units, essentially, to help them on the battlefield, right? And every once in a while, one of those units will do a really cool thing that really helps them out, like they get the grenade that was thrown at them and throw it back or something, or they say something cool, and then they suddenly become a character. Um, does he mean expanding those into, okay, this, this guy is no longer a faceless mook created as a game mechanic. Uh, we got we to gotta give him a name. We got to give him a family. Maybe let's roll some life path for him. Um, anyway, is that, what they, is that what they mean? Expanding the, the SWAT team? Like expanding a character off he, of it? Well, he said like like building a campaign, yeah. So maybe he's thinking like just incorporating them ah. into a campaign, like using C SWAT oh. and wants paid. Um, the only time I three ninety two. He wants page three ninety two. There's a section for a lawman campaign. Nice. It has meet the teams. Lawman is one of the teams. Totally do it that's the really cool campaign where like two people can play a lawman and then you can have other people playing like a solo that's like a sniper or something um you can be a cop even if you're not a lawman 
that makes sense. Just like you oh, can yeah. be a nomad that doesn't. You can be part of a nomad pack even if you're not a nomad. That's our team in Sirenscape. Uh, I created a district PD, which is kind of a new thing the council's paying for to help the NCPD, you know, with individual district PDs. And the team, uh, Brandon and Phil and Rocket and Ellen, they work for a kind of off the books division of the Upper Marina District PD. So they are kind of living that lawman investigative team lifestyle, even though they're in individual roles. They're not all actually lawmen, you know? In the nice neighborhood, huh? Yeah, I guess. In the upper you got marina. The, yeah. Well, you got the docks I'm and things going on. Still container, though. Thanks. Got to watch out for you, those designer plagues. Yeah, don't forget about the, the docks. Don't forget it bordering the hot zone and shit. Like, upper marina is nice if you're, like, right in the center or to the right. It's a, the, the east of, you it's know, a relative or a little, well. bit to the, a little bit to the west. Exactly. I, mean, I sure would want to be near the trauma team tower and not further away from it. That's true. I, I would I would rather just be in the exec Watch zone. Your IV arrive. <laughs> I'll just I'll just chill in the exec zone nice and safe. I, th I feel like all yeah, this I've is had I've had scenes in there. Nice. Uh, exec zone campaign, man. That would be so funny. Start a start a game where everybody is uh everybody's a super high ranking exec, so they already have the like suburban mansion and they're just trying to get the Mick mansion. <laughs> this is their stated goal. Yeah. It's just a bunch of people. I go golfing with Reginald. And on the golf course, I roll persuasion. I say, I, I see the budget has changed for quarter four. <laughs> give me that. My you previous so email. Much, give you me could an, have so much fun. Give me an athletics roll on that putt. <laughs> Hit the range table. I love that yeah. idea. The range table. Oh my god! Hit the range, the range table on that putt. <laughs> reformatted as a table for like driving, putting. <laughs> Somebody do yes. it before I do it. Oh, it's gonna happen. <laughs> Definitely need tennis mechanics. Do this, right? James. I'll, I'll put that idea together if you come and run a one shot for that for Cyberpunk Uncensored. <laughs> I don't know. How about how about you fall on the grenade by yourself? <laughs> <laughs> and I have to the blast radius. <laughs> With me knowing. <laughs> With you knowing. Was that, Phil? Uh, PWB says bean counters, which would probably be a good name for it, I think. Yeah. Oh, man. Not at, not at the exact rank you'd need to be in the exact zone. Like, um, see the, uh, the, the series billions. Maybe fat cats. Fat cats. Something, uh, something like that. That would be funny. Yeah. yeah. Big we were talking. We were talking about um, cops and stuff. What I I I use things like um, Max Tech and stuff as a you need to be out of this situation now button. It's like Max Tech's on the way. Leave. Um, so I use them more as like a force outside the game that you should never actually tangle with. So I I, I can I can draw those them into to sort of push push players along okay Isn't you've, it? you've you're making too much mess that's what i love I, about I sirenscape it. too i'll just trigger the sirens be like you hear sirens in the distance <laughs> approach sirens. everyone's like all right time to get the hell out <laughs> why tell them in three rounds the the uh, max tech show up when you could say you hear sirens <laughs> yeah that's <laughs> right oh, oh god run and delta i am waiting for people to do to uh put some corpos in i i think if if we were polled i think it would probably be the least the least picked up class right the least picked up role 
I've got an exec oh, on my uh, one of my monthly teams, and we and a media. Uh, they're actually a couple. They they. Uh, oh, I'm dying to play media. And yeah. I, I've put together uh, their team. You know, during session zero, they're actually start, they started Veritas, which is a media uh, media corporation that they started together. So like, there's an exec, uh, media. Um, uh, Wandering DM is in that. He plays a lawman, so he's kind of like, but he's ex, ex-lawman, but he's like security for that. Uh, my wife, Valerie's in it. She's a fixer, so she's kind of the hookup for some leads aside from what the media can get. But they're, they're starting up a media company to put out news and stuff and expose stories. Uh, but that, but uh, the exec in that is kind of handling the business side of that. I enjoy it. It's the first time I've, I've leaned into like the business side of an exec versus kind of the rollability aspect of it, if, if that makes sense. But I've mm. never seen, you know, like a whole team of them. I really, I really do like that idea. Wait. Not, not on the cheesy golfing way, but I think there could be a creative oh, no, way to pull that off. Do it though. If you, if you'd pull that off, you'd end up writing golfing. <laughs> well, it'll happen. Uh, but I'm saying it's not going to be the focus session. of the campaign. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. It'll be um, there. It just won't what, be that. What is it? It's just a lot of. Um, is that not a lot of game systems like really? allow you even in any interesting way to do let's do a party but we're all going to play fighters or we're all going to play this class or all going to play that class hey um, cyberpunk's ability to do it and remain standing uh is uh is a big benefit of the game of the rule set to be honest um the point where it's like yeah that would be fun oh this would be cool because they're so tied into different parts of the world it would almost give the gm an, a, a a way of like Pushing that type of campaign would almost help uh, a cooler campaign in a, in a fun way. It's amazing for that. It's very well balanced. Well, we'll say if nobody's, if you haven't run a campaign that is corp focused, where you're you're the bad guy, essentially, it's just as fun as playing an evil campaign in any other game. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, it, it has very unique um, sort of uh, it has a unique vibe when you play it in Cyberpunk. So I would recommend it. I love that. Uh, Anybody's like, ah, oh, what am I gonna do for my campaign? Ah. Oh. And speaking of full, uh, you know, a team of the same role sort of campaigns or teams. Uh, Capricious Nature is getting ready to start up a Saturday stream with Cyberpunk Uncensored. It'll be ongoing. And it's going to be based around a team of nomads um, that are each going to have their different skill sets and kind of fit into different aspects of uh, a, a team. But they are all nomads. Um, and he's going to base a lot of the campaigns out in the wastelands and, you know, travel around less city-based and more nomad lifestyle. And I really like that uh, Capricious Nature is also the one that created the Vehicles of Red uh, sort of supplement thing that we have on the Cyberpunk Uncensored site. If nobody has seen that, go get it. It's amazing. It has all kinds of vehicle upgrades and supplements, and all, just it's a, it's awesome, and um, and I'm I'm looking forward to him streaming with us as soon as him and his team get ready. It's going to be another, I think, few weeks. I think he's not going to be starting it until July sometime, but uh, but I am looking forward to that. It's going to be a full team of nomads. Pretty cool. Nomad culture is so cool. Uh, it's such a great thing to to play around with. Um, uh, we. I, we're talking about you know using random tables for stuff. There's a, a canon thing in in my games now is is a traveling circus of nomads, and they're just they're called the Volkov family circus. They're from Eastern Europe, and yeah, it's that came from a random table 
but that getting to explore that culture as part of the campaign was amazing. Like only one of the characters was from there, but um, going out and getting into different parts of the world, whether it's Nomad, whether it's going to the the war tour, uh, the warlord ruled Dixie, um, you know, getting out of Night City and, and finding a corner that hasn't been looked at yet is, is always really good. I know there's people out there, someone in our Baby Beard Discord has made like a Neo York which is, you know, uh, New York in the time of the red. There's so many possibilities for for bits of the world that you can explore, um, whether you get there from a random table or you get there because you just have an idea one day. What, what part of the world are you looking forward to? Hit me with it, Phil. Hit me with it. What are you talking about? Sorry, what? Sorry, I got too quiet and I cut you off. What did you say, Phil? <laughs> I was just wondering, I was trying to prompt you guys if there's a piece of the world that you haven't had a chance to explore in a game that you're that you're you're dying to. Obviously we've talked about the corporate world, uh and and you know the nomad world. What about uh, the I want to see what floating cities are like or yeah. do something with high riders. I've got something planned for deep divers I, I, uh, with one of my teams coming up. I don't want to say too much because some of them watch the streams and stuff, but I, I love the idea of, uh, you know, the floating cities, which I believe is where, um, Phil, your character's from and ours, isn't it? Uh, he's off the, from, yeah. Yeah, and I think Wandering DM has something similar to that in that other campaign, but I, I want to get into the deep divers in those you know, dome civilizations underwater and just the, the weirdness that could go on there. I've also did a Night City Live episode about, um, I can't remember what that episode was about, but me and Lobster Falcon got into um, these like roaming cities right out on the water, like what, what Phil, your character is from. And we came up with this idea of this like old uh, aircraft carrier powered by by like nuclear fusion that actually is powered that travels around like this huge city that, uh, has all these power trails to smaller barges and ships that it's dragging along, powering. So it's like these separate little communities. It's just there's really interesting shit you can do out on the water. And then if you incorporate the deep divers, you can get into to not just um, you know different location stuff, but completely different cultural stuff. Because who's to say that some of them haven't been cut off for a while and they're stuck in a different place and evolved in a different way culturally? I'm not saying like incorporate like mutations and things to go completely sci-fi with cyberpunk or bring it back to cyber generation by any means. I'm, but what I am saying is, you know, culturally, maybe uh, hierarchy and politics and things are just different there. And I'm excited to kind of get into that. I have some interesting ideas for it. That's a brilliant idea. Thank Love you. that. Uh, well, the cool thing about that too, is you could have somebody that's like a corpo at the top, corpo type, right? Uh, and when, when the shit hits the fan, he starts cutting off the ships so that they can move faster, right? You know, I love who that, cares yeah. about you know that trim the, the fat, you know, man. Trim the fat. Exactly. You know, <laughs> we need to get moving. Yeah. Now, so many ideas yep, can spark from that little concept, but I agree with Phil. Like uh, some of the more interesting places, I I'm looking forward to going as well as out on the water and below it. Yeah. What about um, there's some orbital stuff as well, right? Yeah. Like is yeah, I haven't read too much into it, but I feel like there's there's got to be some something really cool happening the up there. Yeah, raiders. There's there's fun to be had doing some high raiders. Um, there are rules for fixating in space. Put I put just enough rules so that people could do high riders before we did anything with them. 
in the core book. Check the asphyxiation rolls. I'm hoping. Does it? Uh, I'm hoping it draws a little bit from the, like the, space rasters from Neuromancer. I can't. I can't. Can't say. Can't say. I can't well, parse. You, I can't parse so, anything. Can you? Can you? Win? I'm excited. Stop. Can you wait? Let me, let me get off this topic that I can't talk about. Yeah. Let me, let me, uh, this topic I can't talk about to, uh, I'm excited to do more Elf Lines online, personally. Yes. Uh, I think it's going to be fun. People are liking it. We could do a whole, we could do or a whole elf. round table about the world of, Elves like, social cool. media in red. You wouldn't want me for that. You'd want, you'd want Jay. <laughs> He's the social media man. Yeah. <laughs> it changes he how put Rock together a uh, ziggurat. So yeah, would know more about the lore too. PWB says, "Oh, anymore a heist retired a heist by retired lawman called Donuts." All right, he'll be quiet now. Because he was saying, "What about a complete crew of retired fifty-five plus year old lawmen, Donut Patrol?" <laughs> If you've made it to 55 in Nice City, you, you probably you got to be skilled. Yeah, you got to be some type so of the badass. Old school, <laughs> if you're going to do that, you, you got to read 2020's Protect and Serve. You're going to have to do like internal office politics. And they basically say that if you survive your first two years on the job, the NCPD, you get promoted to like lieutenant or something because congratulations, you beat the odds. <laughs> <laughs> yep. No, I've mentioned that too. Like, I imagine the action economy after all four people use their backup skill. Yeah. Well, some some of that, you know, if you get that big, obviously, maybe there's some caveats or or like maybe like a little bit of homebrew mixed in with with some of that, so it doesn't get completely unbalanced. Um, because yeah. yeah, if you have a if you have a let team them, of all the feel, let them feel powerful. Like a team, like a, a you know team of lawmen with backup becomes a, a tiny army, you know, a little a little mini militia, you know, just like execs with all their minions, you know what I mean? Like if they all come together, it's like man, it could it could be a little, you, know, you got to watch the balance there. As long as you have things set up properly for your campaign, it shouldn't matter. Um, but it, yeah. but if you don't, by all means, you know they could take over, you know, a couple NPCs, really easy. Yeah, you got to turn those it into a handful. You know. There's ways to run that, um, but I, I might argue and say that, look, if you're calling for backup and you are in this district, then there's only so much backup that you're going to be able to call. So if, you, if you're if you all calling for backup, you may get a few extra guys or something like that, but but it's probably not going to be you know the full amount that you're hoping for. Right. Um, a couple of them but show up it, drunk because well, they were off the clock, you know? The, uh, if, if you want to go full the fun, thing. then army <laughs> combat for sure. Everybody's uh, everybody's backups gonna show up at different times, likely. That's true too. And as people start showing up, you know, if you're outside with a walkie-talkie, um, with your squad car or whatever, four of you are out there. They don't need to respect the rules of engagement. They're criminals. <laughs> they might just try to flee. Yeah, I love it. The, um, when, even the lawman when is really to... good at winning fair fights. Right. Put it that way. It's true. I like you know, even when you try and break the game, there are ways to to play it. You know. Oh yeah. 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 Exactly. And I've tested it. It doesn't break the game. 
um, the backup I've the backup isn't as good as as you might think in that mass swarm scenario um they'll uh i mean it'll it'll make you win if you have numbers in a straight fire fight but idea is you don't get into a lot of like revolutionary war style straight firefights <laughs> I like everybody line up right <laughs> um, at a certain point people are going to be squeezing other people through doorways yeah mm. good point the fatal funnel that's true not to mention it might be an interesting attraction for some bozos or something like that to think hey what have we got here you're going to cause a giant commotion yeah uh, multiple backups called. That's that's a high end police presence <laughs> area. It's uh, you you're running into some Blues Brothers style yeah. scenario. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> cars going over ramps and all kinds of stuff. I mean, it's not. I will say it's not as broken as like, hey, let's all play level four solos. Let's all play solo, and let's all completely tune for combat. Honestly, that type of campaign, maybe that's when you break out the hardened books. Players are going to do what they're going to do, you know? Mm-hmm. Sometimes we'll just have to break out the, the glass on the wall. <laughs> right. Break out the... Uh, break for emergency. The break, in case of, uh, the break in case of Power Gaming series. <laughs> yeah. Right, for free DLCs. Check it out. Think, Stay prepared. Hey, if, just in case everybody says, I want to play a core. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> It's like, well, I've got like these that. golf rules prepared. <laughs> uh, I feel like, you know, the players are giving you a signal. If they make four, hard, like, hardened solos, they're saying, I dare you to, to kill these guys. Oh, absolutely. So, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're like, we want, we want, we want bullets. Yeah. We want lots yeah. of bullets. Give them rockets. Like lead. Hot lead. Um, what is the... Uh, we'll say... The um, there was a teenagers from outer space, a thing we put out uh, a couple of months back about fishing rules for teenagers from outer space. You just slip those in there with those golf potential golf rules. <laughs> Which, by uh, the way, the golf rules are, um, uh-oh, roll athletics. Uh, pistols are for putting. You take all the uh, different meters thing and you change meters to feet. Um, pistols are putting. Uh, shotgun, shotgun is putting. Shotgun is putting. Uh, pistols are the medium uh, iron, and then driving yep. is at um, sniper rifle sort of territories. But you remember, you're taking the meters and you're changing it to feet, so it makes everything shorter, which kind of makes sense. And then you roll uh, probably athletics on the table. Absolutely. Pitching so the grenade table. Use yeah. the grenade table for your nice, you're pitching onto the green. Like that. Use the, use the grenade launcher for the, I don't think a, I don't think a sand trap would, I would say if you're doing a sand trap, you take a minus two from the thing and, uh, and, that's just, and you're using your own thing, and then you're duplicating the putter, the putter table. Except you get the minus two because it's a sand trap. Yeah, yeah. I think a water feature. Um, no, no, no. Rough, rough is going to give minus four. <laughs> Semi rough is minus two. Is anybody writing this down? Uh, <laughs> we'll take, we'll take a clip. 
We'll VOD the video. We got it. Yeah. <laughs> Golf. Done. Uh, make sure also to be take so count of win. Yeah, but if if um, like that's that's one of those minus that's a minus one. Bad if win. you had like good performance. Uh, golf like would then bonus your roles for like negotiation with um you know the japanese executive oh, absolutely. Who's coming you might not want to you might not want to beat the zaibatsu that's right a member that you're you're negotiating with at golf you don't want to do that you might be like no i i, I want to intentionally flub this one so that uh, <laughs> that he hits par and i don't um I use luck to re reduce my role. <laughs> That's a funny concept. Yeah, like take points out to add to your luck. You like take be unlucky in, middle, in some situations so you can be luckier in others. You know, like take points out or put them in. That's a fun concept. In the middle of the golf game, in the middle of the holes, in the middle of the hole, um, full golf cart comes up. They try to assassinate the guy you're having a meeting with. <laughs> Hell yeah! Oh, Done. and suddenly it's like, oh, I thought we were having fun. Ah! <laughs> oh no, I thought this was a comedy section. Ah. I love You're that. Never it's never a comedy section. <laughs> love it. Well, hey everybody, I think we wrapped this up. Uh, GM Reservoir Panda is going to be streaming his live gameplay in about eleven minutes or so, ten minutes or so. Um, so I'd like to, uh, you know, kind of wrap this up and give him time to do setup and uh, and let everybody kind of take a break before they come back to watch his thing. If anybody in chat is planning on tuning into some of the gameplay, I have no idea why my camera just went blurry. That's really odd. But um, but yeah, we'll deal with it. Let's go around the table um, and take a moment. I'm um, just once again, you know, to let everybody know who you are and where they can find you or what you got going on. That 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 sort of thing. Um, James, if you want to start it off. That'd be awesome. Hi. Uh, it's been cool hanging out with y'all. James Hutt. I'm a writer, designer at uh, Artel Starring Games, working on Cyberpunk Witcher. I you to go to artelstarringgames.com, that free DLC section, downloads, free DLC. Enjoy. I'm going to put those links that's in the description. That's, that's what I want. Oh, yeah. What gonna, I want you to do. I'm going to put those links in the description too. Uh, so anybody watching free the VOD, it go check that out. What was that? What did you just, say? just for chats for everybody? Not you three have to do it as well. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I've downloaded. Yeah, anytime that uh, you guys have put something out, I download it. I've got my uh, my folder here on my computer. Well, I believe it. I believe it. You know, I'm obsessed. You don't need to. Yeah, say you got a hall pass. Shit. You got a hall pass. I don't know about these two. <laughs> need to be reminded. Brandon. All right. Yes, I'm Brandon Perkins, also known as DM underscore Brando. Uh, and as I talked about tonight, I'm going to be uh, starting something very soon called The Endless Voyage. Uh, and I'm a writer, I'm a voice actor, and I'm always open to voice acting work. So feel free to look for, for me on the socials and get in touch with me with DMs and whatnot. Um, and thanks a lot for watching as well. This has been awesome. Thanks, everybody. Oh, yeah. Thanks for joining us, man. We have a lot of fun playing together, me, you, and Phil and stuff. And, uh, and when we were talking, we needed another GM. I was excited that you jumped on board. And, uh, you know, just love hanging out with you, man. It's a lot of fun. Same with you, James, obviously. Um, but uh, I'm Rob Mulligan. I'm the founder of Cyberpunk Uncensored. You can check that out, cyberpunkuncensored.com or cyberpunkuncensored on Twitch or YouTube. 
So much shit going on, I don't even want to rename it all again. Just go check that out. Show me some love and support. I'd really appreciate that. And again, we got some live gameplay coming up in just a few moments when we end this stream. So everybody watching, please hang out. Show GM Reservoir Panda some love. That would be really cool. Um, Phil? Yeah, I am Phil, Phil Hucker-Smith. I am from Baby Beard Media, based down here in Adelaide. We're a team of uh, content creators focusing on RPG stuff. So we have our flagship podcast that is Roll to Cast, spelled R-O-L-E, uh, with a different game every season, rotating storytellers, original music, SFX. It's the whole kit and caboodle. Uh, we've just wrapped up season four. So there's four bingeable seasons already of Cyberpunk 2020, Vampire, Cyberpunk Red. We just wrapped up Pulp Cthulhu, and we're about to kick off our Kids on Bike season. Uh, and uh, yeah, there's many more games to come. We're always uh, prepping those. Hit up our YouTube channel for uh, us playing RPGs and all sorts of other games as well. Uh, we're just getting into New Vegas right now and we're trying to grow that channel. So um, yeah, if you want to think RPG related, just follow at Baby Beard Media. Find us on the socials and see what we're up to. I'm also, if you're in Adelaide, which I know one person is <laughs> in chat, Come see me at Avcon. Um, I'll be doing that on the 4th and 5th, and I'll be running some Subpunk Red, and I'll be running some Mouse Guard as well, and I'm going to power up those games with a bit of Sirenscape too. Hell yeah. Awesome. Yeah, and uh, shout out to chat. All of us want to thank all of you who have been tuning in. We really appreciate chat. You guys just asking questions, contributing ideas, showing support, sharing the channel, all that good stuff. Really, you make these episodes so much better. Um, just contributing and being part of it. So just thanks to chat and everybody uh, that is part of this that isn't necessarily on the screen. I just want to give a shout out. Uh, we do see you and we appreciate you. Um, that being said, that's it. Uh, we're going to do the GM Roundtable monthly. It used to be on the second Saturday of every month, but uh, with current filmmaking plans and things I have going on, I think we're going to keep this kind of a floating date. And I'll just work with you, Phil, on picking dates. We'll scoop up some GMs and we'll make the announcement. So anybody watching... Um, just make sure you subscribe and follow the, the Cyberpunk Uncensored channels um, and definitely join the Discord. Uh, we, we post there a lot about our events. I've got the event calendar there. But uh, just keep your eyes open and ears to the ground for all the, all the great uh, streams and events that we have coming up and join us. We'd love that. Um, that being said, thanks so much to all of you for joining us as always. And we'll see you next time. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Cyberpunk Uncensored.